When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, Rifters. This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast, where we go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules to enhance your gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riftwake. And I'm Remy, a player on Riftwake, here today to talk to you about bards. So bards are a full spellcasting class, meaning that they go all the way from zero level to ninth level spells as it gets towards endgame. And as they level up, they become stronger and stronger spellcasters. So they are a interesting class in that more than, well, that's not true. All classes have a good amount of lore, but bards in particular have a very strong feel in terms of how they tend to play. So Nathan, what's your experience with bards? Well, if I were to give you like a simple summary on what I think a bard is, a bard is a spellcaster that uses magic instead of the books or like innate magical ability um, to basically cast their magic and are slightly more based on being a jack of all trades, if I'm not wrong, rather than the more the other kinds of magic casters. Very true. So what makes bards... Well, one of the things that makes bards interesting is the fact that they're a spellcasting class that uses the charisma stat. So they use their force of personality as the stat that shapes their magic. And the lore end of things is that they are vocalizations of power, a master of song, speech, and the magic they contain. So the fact that the kind of feel of bards, it is usually based in terms of music that the plucking of strings of a bard's instrument affects the weave of magic around them to create the magical spells and effects that they do. However, there's also the other word in that that is speech as well, that I personally feel can be underutilized. So technically, when you have those super charismatic speakers who enthrall the crowd then an argument could be made that that type of person, like a Winston Churchill or someone like him, would be classed as a bard, someone who has knowledge of various things of the world and just an amazing ability of speech, as well as the more commonly used option of song. So using just the vocalizations and just the vibrations of effects you create to shape music is a cool effect. So as you create a bard... I mentioned already that they use their charisma in order to shape their magic. Uh, They are a class that has a D8 hit die. So again, same as warlocks, clerics, a good number of classes have it. So not quite as squishy as your usual wizard or sorcerer. Uh, They get access uh, with their proficiencies to only light armor. They do not generally have medium armor or shields. They could also use all simple weapons as well as hand crossbows, long swords, rapiers, and short swords. So there is a long-running debate in terms of is a bard or a rogue better at skills? So as 
you progress through the game of D&D. There are many, many skills to pick from, from arcana to history to stealth and a whole lot more. So what when you pick a class, you're usually able to pick two skills to start with having a proficiency. So having, you know, uh, stealth or sleight of stealth and sleight of hand, for example, for a rogue would be a normal combination just of two skills. But the bard gets to start with any three skills instead of just having a short list like most classes do of you can pick two skills from, you know, this list of five. A bard has completely open choice of any three skills as well as that they get to pick three musical instruments as well to be proficient in. So you have the choice of how you want to shape your bard. Do you want him to be a bard who uses drums or bagpipes or a horn or the lyre? There is a long list of instruments to pick from and you can decide, oh, okay, I can have this as my preferred one. And then maybe, you know, if I have drum proficiency, just for when I want to have that war chant kind of situation going. And the musical instruments usually are just kind of hand-waved away, but that is yet another thing that is fun to see in-game, is to see, okay, what does your bard do on their downtime? What do they do to, you know, tune their instruments or keep them, you know, up to date for adventuring life, troubling? Uh, Anyway, uh, moving on from that. So I mentioned already that they are a full spellcaster. So in the spellcasting episode, we talked about how there are classes that just pick spells, and then those are all the ones that they know. Or there's the ones that get to pick their spells every day. Uh, Bards are one of the former in that they get to pick a number of spells as they level up. And that is it. Those are the spells that they know. And only when they level up can you change out one of your spells for a different bard spell on the list. Uh, What is somewhat interesting, though, is that unlike the types of classes where they prepare their spells, a bard does get to know more spells at a time than the ones who do get to change out. So there is some fairness to the balance. So by the time a uh, bard gets to endgame, instead of knowing the 15 or so that a cleric might, a bard will know 22 spells. And those spells, again, go all the way up to ninth level, the pinnacle of spellcasting. All right, moving on. So bards get a number of abilities as they level up. And I'm not going to go through all of them. I am going to try to pick and choose more because we've definitely run long on a number of the recent class episodes. So uh, one incredibly important one, uh, you actually mentioned it shortly ago, Nathan. It is an ability they have. Jack of all trades. And this ability is very much one that influences part of why the argument can be made of why Bard is best, best skill class which is that as soon as your second level, any skill that you don't have proficiency with, you still get to add half your proficiency bonus rounded down. So any skill that you don't know, even by the time you're you know, mid-level and you have a plus four proficiency bonus, then every single skill will get that plus two that you're not trained in. So it very much helps to round out your abilities to be that classic jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none. Although, once again, a separate argument could be made that a bard is jack-of-all-trades, master-of-few, because there are a few things the bard can become very, very good at with the correct build. 
So even before you get that ability at second level, Jack of all trades, arguably one of the most important abilities that a bard has, they get right away at first level, which is called Bardic Inspiration, which is an incredibly, incredibly useful, versatile power, which lets you a number of times a day equal to your charisma modifier. And again, as a charisma based spellcaster, that should be your best. So for the sake of descriptions, as I'm going through a lot of these, I'm going to assume a base charisma after a racial bonus, after whatever, of 16 when I'm talking about some of the numbers stuff in here. So that's just my assumption going forward, talking through this. So up to three times a day for that type of character, then you'd be able to just give a character a D6 at this level. It does go up as you level. And then once within the next 10 minutes, the creature that you give the die to can roll that die and add it to one ability check or attack roll or saving throw that it makes. The creature can wait until after it rolls the d20 before deciding to use the Bardic Inspiration, but must decide before the DM says whether the roll succeeds or fails. And once the die is used, it is lost, and a creature can only have one at a time. So this ability is amazing. So within 10 minutes, the die can be used, which means that if you give, let's say, the fighter, a bardic inspiration die as a bonus action, by the way, I apologize for not saying that earlier, I don't think. But as a bonus action, you give, let's say, the fighter a bardic inspiration die, a d6. Then if their attack roll fails and they have a hunch that they're close to the creature's AC, but before the DM says if it hits or misses, they can roll this d6 extra to add to their roll, which can change a miss into a hit. Or if you're in a diplomatic situation, you could use it to boost a diplomacy or deception check. And you don't have to use it until after you roll the d20. That flexibility is fantastic. And uh, I apologize, I did go rather ranty into that for Bardic Inspiration, but it truly is a fantastic ability. And at first level, you can use it, you know, as many times as your charisma modifier. So three or so, again, using that example. Then it goes up and becomes a D8, a D10, and then even up to a D12 eventually as you get up in levels. So there's, a, again, there's a few more abilities that I'm just not going to talk about because they're just useful, but not particularly, hey, this is the biggest things. So I'm just going to skip ahead to third level because who boy is that a nice little milestone. So at third level, you pick your bard college, which is your specialization, your subclass. So that at third level, there are a lot of options to choose from. College of Glamour, College of Lore, College of Swords, College of Valor, and College of Whispers. And I'm not going to focus as much on the subclasses as I have in the past, because I would argue that for a bard, they're less influential than certain other classes in the shape of the character for the most part. And I will talk about the exceptions as when I get there. So before getting into the subclasses, let's still finish the generic bard abilities. So also at third level, so part of why I say this is a milestone one, at third level, you gain expertise, which is a special trait where you get to pick two of your skills that you have proficiency with and add double your proficiency bonus. So even at third level, where you've got the starting plus two proficiency bonus, 
then that would mean that if you applied that to, say, persuasion, then with a 16 charisma, you would have a plus three charisma to your persuasion. You would have a plus two for your normal proficiency. And then this expertise would give you an additional plus two, which means you would have a plus seven proficiency to persuasion at level three. And that only jumps each time your proficiency goes up. Expertise is a very, very powerful ability that can very much give either good skills become great or even bad skills to become quite good. So if you use it on a skill that you don't have a great stat for, it is very good at shoring up a weakness. Like if you're a character in heavy armor and you're forced to roll with disadvantage, well, in theory, if you used... Oh, wait, no, we're talking about a bard. That's probably not the best example then. Let's say that you just are not a very strong character. Then a bard might be good at magic, bad bad at strength. So if you applied expertise to your athletics, then even if you've got a 10 strength, so a zero normal bonus, then with expertise and even at level three, that'd give you a plus four, which is a very respectable number. Anyway, sorry, that was another rant. I'm full of them today, it would seem. But expertise is a good thing and just a particularly useful feature in general. And you get to pick two skills at level three and then an additional two when you get to level 10. So four skills with expertise through the life of your bard. Then next up would be ability score improvement. So that's the usual at level four, eight, 12, 16, and 19. You get to either boost your ability scores or potentially take a feat if you are in a game that allows those. Now, level five is yet another good milestone level because Font of Inspiration allows you to regain your uses of Bardic Inspiration instead of it just being your Charisma modifier uses per day. It changes it to be usable every short or long rest. So every time you get a short rest, so using that... uh. 16 Charisma Guy example again, you'd have three uses instead of per day, three uses every short rest. All right, next up, uh, Counter Charm is an ability that you get to protect against being charmed or frightened. Useful, but not like, ooh, amazing, in my eyes at least, but I have biases. So one of the big advantages of the Bard class is an ability they get at 10th, 14th, and 18th levels called Magical Secrets. Choose two spells from any class, including this one. A spell you choose must be of a level you can cast, as shown on the bard table, or a cantrip. The spells count as bard spells for you and are included in spells known column of the bard table. So you pick two spells at 10, 10, two spells at 14, and two spells at 18. This is insanely insanely valuable so by having the ability to pick spells from any class that gives you the option to steer your bard in any direction of what you want the character to be if you want to have let's say more offensive ability then at 10th level you could use that to get the fireball spell or some other attack spell or utility spell that a bard may or may not normally have access to. Also, you do have the option, it says, to pick a cantrip also, which does mean that you have the choice to get 
any cantrip that is a useful spell that a bard would not have access to. I believe I've mentioned at least a handful of times that there's a cleric cantrip called Guidance that gives an additional d4 to a skill check that is a hugely powerful ability. So a bard that got the ability to cast Guidance on themselves and others would therefore be that much more powerful at skills. So you can boost your skills or you could use it to potentially get a defensive spell or an offensive spell. Where the bard class truly shines, and this is a great example of why, is in their versatility. They are very much a character that can fit many, many different roles relatively well. You can have a bard that is just an offensive spellcaster. You can have a bard that is focused on healing magic. You can have a bard that, with certain of the subclass options, can even hold their own in melee. So the fact that they can be steered in so many different directions is really a useful thing and is part of what makes bards particularly fun in my eyes in that you have an archetype type character but it really is more versatile than many give it credit for now at 20th level as a bard this is a capstone ability that i would say is not as powerful as some of the other ones like barbarian but still quite useful and it's that at 20th level, whenever you roll initiative and have no bardic inspiration left, you regain one. So that's potentially quite useful, although, again, perhaps not as much as others. So now going back a bit and going into the subclasses. So I'm not going to once again, not going over all of the features and all of the classes just because that would stretch this out unnecessarily. I'm just going to go over the basics of what we've got here. So College of Glamour fits that kind of elven enchantment kind of archetype of you gain the ability to use seductive fey magic and try to enthrall people or make yourself supernaturally attractive and potentially even uh, charm or command various allies or enemies around you. Uh, it is potentially useful, although I'll admit I do have somewhat of a bias bias against the charm style effects that is indeed a potentially powerful route just not the one that is in my preferred style uh, anyway moving on to the college of lore uh, once again this is where i have the positive bias college of lore is definitely my favorite bard subclass because the <laughs> excuse the phrasing but the lore of the college of lore is interesting to me in that this is the specialization where it's the bards who just know a lot about a lot of things and just use their knowledge to tell stories and just be charming, uh, lowercase c, not capital C, as in the charm effect. So what's fun also in the College of Lore is that at third level, as soon as you pick a college, you get an additional three skills with proficiency of your choice. So the fact that you suddenly have three skills that you pick at level one, three skills that you'd pick with this, two skills that you could get from a background, and potentially even one more depending on the race that you choose, or I mean two if you go half-elf. So altogether, you can have so many of the skills trained using this college. And considering you're also getting that expertise at third level, you have got a huge amount of flexibility in how you want to balance the skills that your character is good at. 
uh, even also at their level, you get another ability to use your Bardic Inspiration to, instead of just boosting an ally, can also use now as a reaction to detract the number from an enemy's roll. So you could use this to reduce either an attack roll, an ability check, or a damage roll of an enemy. So you could create a situation to turn a hit into a miss, or to make an ability check fail, or to make a damage roll used against an ally or yourself to reduce the damage to not knock someone unconscious. It is, once again, an incredibly versatile ability. Now, at 6th level is where I would say the College of Lore really gets its kind of caps, not capstone, that's the wrong word, but the ability that I feel makes it so very, very valuable, which is that you get additional magical secrets. Instead of waiting until 10th level, like every other bard, at level 6, then a lore bard gets to pick the two spells. So that would mean at 6th level, the bard could potentially get access to fireball haste two powerful third level spells that normally they may not be able to cast so sixth level instead of 10th that is a nice little bonus and then finally at uh, 14th level they get a very nice final skill called appropriately peerless skill which is that starting at 14th level then a lore bard can use their bardic inspiration on themselves to boost their own skill checks, something that no other bard is actually able to do. Uh, Next up would be the College of Swords. Uh, It is a useful one in that you get to use medium armor, a scimitar, and use a uh, melee weapon as a spellcasting focus, so you don't have to carry a short sword and a wand or your musical instrument, rather, in your offhand in order to cast your magic. Having to, or having the ability to just have weapons in hand is a very useful thing for a character who chooses to go into melee. And really, the College of Sword just gives a bunch of options through the levels that make you better in melee. It gives you the ability to pick a fighting style, like dueling to get plus two damage or two weapon fighting, to be able to like have two short swords and have that ability to just do more damage. You also get to pick some various abilities that make your melee ability melee more effective. You even get uh, extra attack. However, one difference of a bard to a pure melee class, so a fighter, for example, or a barbarian, both get fifth level to attack twice per turn, while a melee bard here in the College of Swords has to wait an extra level to sixth before they get extra attack. Now, the College of Valor is also a melee-focused one, but where it differs is the fact that you also get proficiency with medium armor and shields and all martial weapons, which gives you the ability to defend yourself a little bit more, while the College of Swords, in comparison, is more of the kind of swashbuckler feel of combat. So in the College of Valor, you get those proficiencies, you get extra attack at 6th level, But what's also nice is that you get a feature later on called Battle Magic at 14th level, which lets you cast a bard spell as your action and then make a weapon attack as your bonus action. So the fact that you can cast a full attack spell like Fireball or something like that and make a weapon attack gives you that little bit of extra action economy to be able to use your bonus action to do damage to an enemy. 
And then we finish off with the College of Whispers, which is the more kind of secret society. If you want to have a bard whose college is almost something like the Illuminati of the world, where you are this kind of secret organization trying to collect information or potential blackmail, depending on the style of how you want to go about things. And they get a really cool feature that allows you to expend your bardic inspiration to deal psychic damage to targets that you hit with a weapon attack. So doing that to be able to add increasing psychic damage as you level up, up to an additional 8d6, gives you a more kind of merge of the rogue style with the bard class, while still using magic to do large amounts of damage over time, which really does add up in their versatility for this particular class. This is probably the one that I would argue has the highest damage potential in terms of using their weapon, not counting the magic. And as they level up in the College of Whispers, you also get the ability to adopt a humanoid's persona, which is that when someone dies, you magically capture its shadow using your reaction, and then use that magic to disguise yourself to look like that person for an hour, which is an odd ability, but where it really, really gets strange and really kind of creepy in that it is an almost necromantic effect of while you're disguised as them, you gain access to all information that the humanoid would freely share with a casual acquaintance. Such information includes general details on its background and personal life, but doesn't include secrets. Information is enough that you can pass yourself off as the person by drawing on its memories. So the fact that you somehow know everything that they would casually share is really creepy from the roleplay perspective and definitely could be useful in either a heist style game or if you want to even do something more horror themed. That is creepy. All right. So that is the rules about all the various types of bards. So now the question becomes, how do you want to use bards in your game? The way I see it is that bards can be used as rather interesting ways to explain, like, um, okay, like, like rather interesting ways to depict storytellers and such, and um, such performers as potential people who can actually cast magic compared to the typical, like, them just telling tales and stuff. So I, I think that's rather interesting. And in once World can create scenarios where you can have like, um, you know, the kind of dandy that travels about <laughs> telling stories and such that seems like um, like he isn't that dangerous. But the very second that somebody is like, give me your money that you earn from your storytelling and that stuff, you know, it's just like you just either you just use your magic to get your way out of it or just use it to fuck with people. And I see that as quite funny. Fair enough. Bards are a surprisingly versatile class all around. I, I know I've said that word a lot, but it's valid. So one thing that I did not touch on that is somewhat of a misservice, so I'll correct myself here. Bards are very unique in that they are a magic using class that has access to most healing magic spells as well. They have access to cure wounds. They have access to, I think, revivify and resurrection or true resurrection. I don't remember and I should. 
Okay, so they do have access to resurrection. Not true resurrection, though. Uh, they do have access to raise dead at fifth level and huh, maybe not revivify. Interesting. So they have access to half or so of the resurrection spells. They have access to the healing magic. They don't have a whole lot in the term in terms of offensive cantrips, but the fact that their leveled spells are a very, very good mix of being uh, attack and utility spells. They don't have all of the most powerful spells. They don't have fireball naturally. They don't have lightning bolt. They don't have haste. They don't have, you know, the high damage type spells for the most part. But if you use magical secrets to pluck those, or you could use magical secrets to pick the additional healing spells that you're lacking, whatever you want a bard to be, you can make a more than competent version of that thing. Whether that is a healer or a damage dealer or, you know, even a melee person can do a respectable amount of damage as a bard. So the fact that they have so many ways to adapt it with the various subclasses, with the, that magical secrets that I know I harp on a lot, but God, that's great, makes a bard a truly versatile class that is a blast to play. And I'll just say one last thing on magical secrets before we wrap up. Because of the fact that you get to pick your two last magical secrets when you are at level 18, that gives bards the ability to take any spell in the game at that level. Because once a bard is over level 17, they have access to ninth level spells, the most powerful in the game. Meaning that a bard at 18th level with their magical secret can take Wish the most powerful spell in the game, which we will talk about next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Riffs and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Here, start as low as a dollar, and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to the Patreon Discord, where you'll be able to chat with the cast and even shout out on the show. Find us on social media, on Twitter at Riffwake Podcast, on Facebook as Riffwake, and on, and on Reddit on the subreddit r slash Riffwake Podcast. And now, send us an email, riffsandrules at gmail.com. That's riffsandrules at gmail.com. Have a good one. Bye. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.